The latest Indiana Bible College album entitled Jesus will be available April 21st, 2017. For more information on the album and to pre-order, you can visit www.voicevision.com. This week on the IBC Podcast, we have our guest speaker, Brother Brown. Someone say amen. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which is in you. So we have the power of the Holy Spirit with us, and I'm thankful for that this morning. Thank you, Brother Galleon, kind words. One of the things that I figured out real early as a dean of students is you had to have a forgetter, a pretty good forgetter. And, uh, and, and so there's, uh, there's a lot of some things I do remember and some things I don't remember. And I think probably God is in both of those to a certain degree. So a certain degree here. Thank you, Sister Hernandez. Thank you, praise team, for leading us in worship this morning. We always want to give God glory and honor and praise, right? Even the very breath that we have is a gift from God. And so we want to give God honor and thanks for everything that he has done for us. And thank you to all of you for being here in chapel this morning. I do have a word. I'm going to try by the uh, uh, best of my ability to preach it to you this morning. I'm running on just a little bit of low energy this morning. I think most of you know I was sick last week. And that's crazy sickness. As some of you can testify, it just kind of keeps wanting to hang around and hang around and hang around. But let's see if the Lord can help us this morning. Can you say amen? One passage of scripture I want to go to this morning, and that is found in the book of Galatians. And it is the very last uh, verse of the book of Galatians. It's Paul's closing benediction to the uh, church that he had established, uh, the churches that he had established in uh, a region of uh, modern-day Turkey known as Galatia. And uh, he, he closed out a rather uh, blunt and a rather straightforward um, uh, epistle to these particular churches. And he said these words. He said, Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. You can be seated in Jesus' name. There's a couple of interesting things about this uh, little passage of Scripture that I would point out to you. First of all, it's a very common uh, uh, ending for the Apostle Paul. Take a look at um, uh, the letters of Paul in your New Testament, and you will realize that he closed out just about all of them with a variant of the words that I just got done reading to you. He might say on another occasion, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, be with you, be with you all, uh, but, but it was, it was uh, basically this uh, same form. There is an interesting uh, little part about this, and that is if you take a look at this in the Greek, you see the word there that starts off in your King James Version with brethren. The word in Greek is adelphoi. And uh, that particular word, when you look at it in the Greek text, actually comes at the end of the verse. 
Now, it's interesting here because in Greek, uh, this is not a Greek lesson this morning, but I'm just going to make a point. In Greek, uh, uh, it doesn't really matter. You could put, uh, you could translate it brethren uh, at the beginning, or you could translate it with brethren at the end. It just seems to me that if we say brethren, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, that that's kind of formal. It's kind of addressing the brethren. But in the Greek, the word brethren actually is at the end. And so if we read it to say, the grace of the Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. It just puts a little bit more of a personal note almost on it and kind of identifies here exactly who the apostle is trying to, uh, uh, is trying to address uh, uh, with uh, this closing benediction. The, uh, uh, the, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ here, the spiritual favor, the blessing of God. I would also say grace here is the mercy of God. The mercy of God, Paul is praying to these folks in Galatia that it would be with our spirit. Notice here, he has identified all three names for God here, for the Lord Jesus Christ, the, uh, the, 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 the grace, the mercy, the blessing of our uh, Lord Jesus Christ here, the anointed one, the Messiah, the, uh, the Jehovah of the Old Testament, this particular God be with your spirit, brethren. It's, uh, he's, he's, he's getting a point across to these, uh, these uh, Galatian Christians that I think we need to take a look at today. The type of world that you and I are living in, we need the grace of God in our spirit. The type of situations we are facing in this world, we need a lot of the grace of God in our spirit. So that some crazy ideas and crazy uh, concepts that get in our world doesn't get in our spirit. Paul is praying here for some protection around these folks in Galatia, these new converts, if you will. Paul uh, had, uh, you can read about this in Acts chapter 13 and chapter 14 of uh, your Bibles. But the Apostle Paul and some of the folks that were traveling with him had traveled through a region of Galatia. And they had actually established a number of different churches in at least four different cities that are mentioned in Acts chapter 13 and 14. The cities of Lystra, the cities of Pisidian Antioch, of Derby and Iconium. You can read about them in your New Testament. But there was an interesting problem that took place, and that was just shortly after the Apostle Paul and his uh, friends that were traveling with him, just shortly after they had established those particular churches in, in uh, Galatia, there were other individuals who came along after them and started teaching another another gospel. How do we know it was another gospel? Because the first part of Galatians, Paul says very clearly they're teaching another gospel. 
They were starting to put some requirements on these new, new uh, 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 Gentile, these new Galatian Christians. And they were basically saying, okay, yeah, you've been saved. You've been baptized. You've got the Holy Ghost. You're calling yourself by the name of Christian. But we want to make sure here that you understand, as a good Christian, you must submit to circumcision. And you must also pay attention here to some of the food requirements. Uh, in, in who you, uh, what you eat, what types of food you eat, and who you eat it with. And also, that's, uh, you've also got to keep here some of the holy days. And, and so these individuals who were probably Jewish Christians, who had grown up in a Jewish environment, had come into this new church, and they had started to teach something that the Apostle Paul had not taught them. This was something that uh, that Paul felt very strongly about, and 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 how this word came to Paul so shortly after uh, he had just established these churches, we don't know, but we do know what his response was, because you can read it in your Bible. It's known as Paul's letter to the to the Galatians, and it is blunt and it is straightforward, and it is he gets to the point right away, because for the apostle. Paul, the truth of the gospel was at stake. This was not just a small thing that Paul had to deal with here. It was the truth of the gospel. What made a man saved and what kept a man from being saved. This was the, this was the important point that the apostle Paul wanted to get across to these, uh, these Galatian individuals, these Galatian, a uh, new Galatian Christians here. And so he starts off and he's really blunt and really straightforward after his introduction. And he says, I marvel Marvel that you are so soon removed from him who has called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there are some that trouble you and notice Paul's words, who would pervert the gospel of Christ. They would pervert the gospel of Christ. And then he goes on and he says a double statement. And I'll just read one of them. He says, but though we or an angel from heaven, though even we come back and preach something to you other than what we preached to you when we were with you before, if we get disillusioned, if we get something in our spirit that is different from what we preached to you before, or even if you think an angel has come down and has and, and, and preaches to you something other than what we have preached to you, let that individual be accursed. It's a strong and it's a powerful passage of where Paul is standing up and he is addressing a, a very serious issue. We would tend to think it's kind of small. You know, it's kind of like, okay, so what's the big deal about some of this? But it wasn't, it was a big deal for the Apostle Paul and it seems to me it needs to be a big deal for us as well. And so Paul, he writes an epistle back to them. He writes an epistle to these, uh, to 
to these uh, Galatians. And he points out in the first couple of chapters of the epistle, he says, uh, uh, he, he, he says uh, the, these individuals are, are, are kind of telling you that I am not a real apostle. Because I wasn't with the 12 that were the original apostles. They're kind of draw a division between me and what's going on in Jerusalem. And he says, I want you to understand there's no division about, about, about what I'm preaching and what the apostles in Jerusalem are preaching. He says, there's no division here. He said, I want you to know something. He said, I was converted. I had a Damascus road experience. The apostle Paul had a Damascus road experience. And then follow the story closely. He ends up for three years at Arabian Desert Bible College. It's kind of like God has taken him out into the desert and does a number on him, does a work on him. So much so that this great, uh, this great uh, Jew, this, uh, this Pharisee of the Pharisees uh, has come back among some of the Christians. And as the scripture indicated, he is now preaching the Christ that he once persecuted. You see, that's the type of change that actually uh, what took place in the life of the apostle uh, Paul here. In Galatians chapter uh, 3 and 4. He actually summarizes a little more of the argument again. And he kind of, uh, he points out several illustrations. He says these Judaizers, see I've got to go into the text of this scripture in order to ultimately get to the point I want to get to today. I've got to deal with a little bit here about what Paul was actually doing and what he was saying to the Galatians to kind of get to the importance of that last verse that uh, that he actually give here. But, but in, in, uh, in the middle part of his epistle. He's actually points out here. He says, now these Judaizers that are coming in among you, he said, they're actually saying you've got to keep some of the Mosaic law. And he said, you've got to keep some of the, uh, the circumcision and you've got to keep some of the food laws and, and so on. He said, but I'm going to tell you something else. He said, there was a covenant that was made between God and Abraham. And that covenant that was made between God and Abraham was 430 years before the law was ever given. And, 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 and he goes on to point out that the covenant that was made between God and Abraham was an everlasting covenant. And some other agreement later on doesn't do away with the original covenant that God made with Abraham here. That out of Abraham, the world would be blessed. That out of Abraham, not only just Jews would be the chosen people of God, but through Abraham and through Abraham, offspring, Jesus Christ, the whole world would be changed. You see, the whole world would have uh, the benefit here of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody needs to say amen in here today. It's kind of like, can you say I'm a child of Abraham? Yeah, you can say I'm a child of Abraham. <laughs> I was never a Jew, but through the work of Jesus Christ, through the work of what he did, I am a child of Abraham. And not just a son, and not just a, well, you get the point here. You get the point. And so the apostle Paul comes on and and he gives them some uh, some instructions and then he kind of gets to the end of that epistle after he's made his arguments and after he's proven the point of why we as Christians today don't uh, uh, don't have to obey the Mosaic law this is something I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I could get off in the weeds here and I could go down a rabbit trail on this one uh, this one real easy 
But we've got people that come around uh, the movement today, even the apostolic movement, who are kind of teaching that you need to follow some of those Old Testament mosaic law. You see, you know, they, they come around and they, they don't understand the book of Galatians. They don't understand the book of Romans. It's kind of like, because as Paul actually said, he said, uh, uh, he said here, he said, stand fast, therefore, Galatians chapter 5, and the first four verses of, 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 uh, of, of uh, chapter 5 here, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I find it real interesting there that Paul just called the Mosaic law a yoke of bondage. Why did he say that? Because all the law could do was show that you and I in our flesh cannot live up to the law. You say, somewhere here we can't live up to the law. We have to rely in one who did live up to the law and who gave his life a ransom for many. You see, and so, and so Paul goes on and he says to these Galatians, he said, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Think about it. If you go through this, if you allow yourself to be, uh, to be brought back under the Mosaic law again, then Christ will profit you nothing. Verse 3, for I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. In other words, you don't get to pick and choose. If you're going to want to live by the law, then you've got to live by it all. All 613 laws that, uh, that uh, are part of. You've got to live by it all here. He said, but we, uh, but, uh, but of course, we don't have to here. Uh, and he points out uh, another warning. Verse 4, he says, Christ has become of no effect to you, whosoever of you who are justified uh, by the law, you are fallen from grace. It's an important point for us to remember. It's an important point for us to remember. Someone say Amen. See, I'm, I'm thankful for the mercy of God. I'm thankful for the grace of God. I'm thankful I don't have to go back and try and live under an Old Testament law, which all it showed was that I wasn't able to live under it. You see, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to go back and live under that uh, type of a requirement here because somewhere the Spirit of the Lord has come on us and has given us a power that is much stronger than anything we could have ever had under the Old Testament law. Jesus Christ on a cross has done so much for for us that you and I could have ever done under an Old Testament law. It's kind of like Jesus Christ himself has become the, the, has become the law. The law itself was concluded in Jesus Christ. You see, and then Paul kind of gets to the end of all of this, of talking to these people that he has birthed in the gospel. New converts, probably no more than just a few months old. And, 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 and he tells them here at the end, he said, Brethren, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. These were people that had, had just been converted. They were people that were just brand new Christians that he was uh, talking to. But they were people who had been misled into believing something that was not true. 
They had been taught something that was false. And Paul was writing here to correct them. And he was wanting them to consider their spirit and what they allowed in their spirit in, 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 in order to bring them back into a right relationship here uh, with uh, God. And so Paul is praying the grace here, the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Understand, Galatians, that it was mercy that brought you into this thing. Understand it was spirit that brought you into this thing. That there is nothing you can do in and of yourself to try and make yourself honorable to God here. It's what he has done through us. And it's this mercy that Paul is praying here. You can almost get the pastoral heart. Yeah, I know Paul was a great missionary. And I know he was a fantastic theologian. But see him here as as he is praying for people that he has birthed in the gospel. And he's, he's giving them this pastoral admonition here that the grace of Jesus Christ needs to be with their spirit. Their spirit. I, 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 I just tend to think that the Apostle Paul would have some pretty interesting words for us today. I think he would pray the very same thing. I think he would pray the very same thing for us as Indiana Bible College students, for us as individuals, those of you that are going into ministry, those of you that are, are that, that, that undoubtedly whose lives is going to touch thousands of people out there. Uh, it's kind of like I think Paul, if he was standing here today, he might say a bunch of things. I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 I kind of play a game sometime in the back of my head, you know. If Paul was here, what would he say? I, I think I think Paul would have a pretty ripe sermon to preach. Uh, I, th- I think there's some things that Paul would probably fault us with, us good apostolics. I think he'd probably fault us on. I think he'd challenge us on, on, on uh, some things. I, I, I think I think, and sometimes I think the apostle Paul might take all of us to the proverbial woodshed. You know, I, I think he'd do kind of a number on us at times. But I think that knowing him and knowing how uh, he has ended his epistles here, I think he'd pray that the Holy Spirit do a number here on our own spirits. That somehow we have a protection here. And, uh, and, and, and that we don't allow things that are wrong. And that we don't allow bad spirits to become part of our own spirit. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ here, he's praying uh, that, uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ would be with their spirit here. And so sometimes today, it seems to me, we need the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to be with our spirit as well. There are some things, ladies and gentlemen, you and I cannot afford to allow to get in our spirit. There's some things we can't allow to get, uh, get uh, into our spirit. A bad spirit can actually do a lot of damage. A bad spirit can do a lot of damage. A bad spirit can have a negative impact on, on quite a number of other people. Think about it in these particular terms. How many of you have got computers here? You know, oftentimes computers sometimes come with software built in. And the software that is built in on some computers is, uh, uh, is, uh, is for viruses. There's computers, you know, there's software that actually, uh, that actually kind of uh, uh, keeps stuff out of your computer that you really don't want in your computer. 
It's kind of like, oh, Brother Brown, that's just that PC thing you're talking about. We have Macs. We don't have problems with that. Oh, get off of it. You, you people that have got Macs, you've got just as many problems. You can have just as many problems with, with bad software and junk getting on your computer as anyone else is. Someone say amen. You see, this is a problem. This is a, how many of you know this is a problem with electronics? It's a problem with our phones. It's a problem with our laptops. It's a problem with our pads. Junk can get on your pad. People can get into your electronics that really have no business getting in your electronics. And what do we actually do? We firewall our, our computers. We put some sort of a firewall on our computer. We actually try and keep people... I'm suggesting to you as apostolic young people today, you need to put a firewall on your spirit. There's some things that you need to actually kind of kind of care, take care of your own spirit about. It's kind of like there's some things I don't want in my spirit. There's some things I don't want in my spirit. Not just not just so much on your on your electronic devices, but somehow here we've got to get a we've got to get a firewall on our spirit. Cuz let me tell you something, there's a lot of crud and there's a lot of corruption out there that if you let it come, it'll come in and it will infest your spirit. And then watch your ministry go out the window. Because you haven't kept a right spirit. You haven't kept a right attitude. Sometimes, you know, Brother uh, Turner, we've referred to in years past about put a hedge of protection around people. I like that. I, li I like praying that way. People are going to get in the vehicle and get for a drive from Indianapolis to Chicago. You need to pray a, a hedge of protection around you. It's kind of like, you know, we pray that sometimes. God, as we're traveling from, from uh, Indiana to, uh, from Indianapolis to Chicago, put a, a hedge of protection around us. It's kind of like, and God, when we get up in Chicago, would you double the hedge? Because those people in Chicago, they're just nuts when it comes to driving. Right? It's kind of like, would you double the hedge here when, when, uh, when we get to Chicago? But I want to say something. I want to challenge you about this today. Somehow you got to firewall your spirit you got to put some protections around your spirit. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about the person next to you right now. I'm not preaching to, 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 uh, to unsaved people out here. I'm talking to apostolic young people. I'm talking to apostolic young people that have got the call of God on their life. But I know something about this world. And the, the spirit of this world, if it can get into your spirit, it will get into your spirit. And there's sometimes you have got to turn around and put some protections on your own spirit. And you say, you know something, I'm not letting that into my spirit. I'm not letting that into my spirit. It's kind of like you may be my friend. You may be my, my best friend, but I'm not letting that get into my spirit. seems to me, ladies and gentlemen, we can't afford, there are some things we can't afford to let get in our spirit. I'm going to take one. I'm going to take my lead for the very first one that I'm going to give to you here this morning. I'm going to take it from the book of Galatians, and I'm going to take it from the Apostle Paul. You and I cannot afford to let false doctrine get in our spirit. Yeah. 
You and I cannot afford to let something that goes against this book actually get in our spirit and start acting on our thinking. And we start thinking that that's actually true when it's not anywhere as close to being true. It's as false as all, as all get out out there. You've got to remember something, ladies and gentlemen. In the United States, there's over 2,000 major Christian denominations in the United States alone. They all can't be right. They all can't be right. They're all believing different things. They're all propagating different things. It's kind of like they all can't be right here. You say, oh, but the individual, he sounds so nice, and he's so smooth, and he gets... Listen, I've met some nice people before, but they're heretics. The individual might be a nice individual, but he can be a nice individual, but if he's not preaching what this book actually preaches, then he's a heretic. I may like him. I may sit down and have a cup of coffee with him. But it's come when it comes to some Bible doctrine, I'm not going there with you, Jack. I'm not going there with you. There's still, there's still some things. It's not so much my opinion. It's not someone else's opinion. It's not this person and that person and the Reverend Dr. So-and-so and, and, and DD and PhD and every other type of a degree that you can get behind someone, uh, someone's name here. Ultimately, it comes back to the book. What does the book say? We have a standard on what the Bible truth is. It gives us some very clear indications on what's true and what is error. And we don't get the option here to actually believe error. Someone say amen. 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 You can be seated. It's, 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 it's not so much what man says. It's not what religious committees say. It's not what religious committees say. But it's actually what the Bible says here. It's kind of like what was Paul doing to the Galatians. He was warning them against error. He was saying, you can't believe this because it's not, it's not true. It's not, part, uh, it's, not, uh, it's not part of the gospel that I preach to you. It just seems to me, Bible college students, what is this, 2017? It just seems to me that there are some things that are non-negotiable. There's some things that's non-negotiable. You know, the color of someone's tie, I'm going to give somebody a lot of latitude on that. It's kind of like, you know, the color of somebody's shirt. I'm going to give someone a lot of latitude on that. I, I frankly don't think it matters a whole lot on some of those things. And I think sometimes we make a big deal out of stuff that we really shouldn't make a big deal out of, you know. But there are some things we need to make a big deal out of. There are some things that we need to make a, we need to be really sure on because there's some things it just seems for me it's non-negotiable. It's kind of like you do whatever you want, but this, uh, this, this is where I'm drawing the line at. It's kind of like somewhere, as I read the Bible, it's still one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. It's still one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. It's still one God. You know, I, I, I can read the book of, of, of Isaiah, and I can see God kind of having a little fun. You know, he says, I've checked around up here, and guess what? There's nobody else up here. I'm it. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's, uh, it's still one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And if you're going to be saved, you're, gonna be, you're, gonna, uh, you're going to uh, go down in the waters of baptism. You're going to repent. You're going to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And God is going to give you the Holy Ghost. It's kind of like that's not negotiable for me. 
You do whatever you want. That's not negotiable for me. It's like that's ground that it seems to me there are some ground we're going to die on. And that's one ground we're going to die on. It's kind of like when it comes right down to it. There's, there's where it's at. Somewhere I read for all the fullness of the, body, of, of the Godhead still dwells in him bodily. When you saw Jesus Christ, you saw God manifested in flesh. It's kind of like it wasn't part of God. It was 100% of God that came into this world and presented himself as a Messiah here. It's kind of like the oneness of the Godhead, ladies and gentlemen, is not, is not uh, something that is negotiable for me. You know, someone say amen. Sometimes we've got to also recognize that there are some things that's going to keep us out of heaven. They're non-negotiable either. They're not negotiable either. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. They were all standing a moment ago hollering when I was talking about oneness of the Godhead. Now, folks, this is an issue in our society. It's an issue in our society. Do I need to explain that last bit that I just read there for you? Abusers of themselves with mankind? That book says they're not going to make heaven. Now, I don't care what society says. It's a... Am I, am I talking to you here this morning? Am I talking to you here this morning about some things that are not negotiable? It's kind of like when you, you see, it's one thing for you to stand and say, oh yeah, the oneness of the Godhead, that's not negotiable. But I want to tell you something, there's some moral laws that is in that book as well. They are as equally non-negotiable. Can all of these people get saved? Yes, they can get saved. We need the church door to be open to people of all different people that have come from all different sin and all different background. But I, for one, am never going to compromise on some of those issues. It's kind of like you do whatever you want. When I start seeing upon people who are still living homosexual lifestyles and trying to be in the church at the same time and taking part in leadership, I'm out of here, Jack. I'm out of here. That's where I draw the line. It's kind of like, because my God, when he actually does a number on you, he's going to change you out of that behavior. He's not going to leave you in that immorality. He's going to change you. That's the type of power of the almighty God that we've got for us today. And somehow... Somehow we can never buy into the world's thinking that we got to go soft on that issue. Because if you don't have the power of the Holy Ghost to help some homosexual come out of homosexuality, then you need to go back and get more of the power yourself. There's some things that just simply are not negotiable. Someone say amen. 
They're not negotiable. And the scripture tells us very clearly some things. You say, frankly, I don't care if 98%, I don't care if 98% of the, uh, of, of the world out there says something different. If the book is actually the truth, then I'm going to hold by the book. I'm going to stand by the book. It's kind of like, it doesn't mean we have to be ugly. It doesn't mean we have to have bad spirits. It just means we have to, we have to hold to what the truth is. Because let's, let's, uh, let's face it. Brother Mooney has said this a number of times to you. Unless you and I have got something that the world doesn't have, why should the world ever even come to our church? You see, we've got to be different. I said different. We've got to be different. We've got to have something. We've got to be something different. It's kind of like, because if we aren't, we're not going to reach that world. And somehow there's a lot of craziness that, that uh, is out there that I just don't want, uh, I just don't want get, to, to get in my spirit. I don't want false doctrine to get in my spirit. I don't want false doctrine. There's lots of different things we could say there about false doctrine. There's something else. There's something else that, uh, that uh, we need to get, we need to understand as well. You and I can't afford to have or to allow negative or anti-God thinking to come into our spirit. So you and I can't afford to do that. You see, we can't afford to it. You know... The music industry turns out thousands and thousands and thousands of songs every year. And I'm not talking about Christian music. That would be a totally different genre here. But, uh, but just the music industry turns out a, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, stuff every year. That basically, you know, it's uh, supposed to be love songs and supposed to be popular songs and so on and so forth. Some of these people wouldn't know love if it slapped them up the side of the head. They've been married 17 times, and they're writing another song about uh, the, the last divorce they just went through. I mean, what do they know about love? And somewhere here, when I look in the Bible, I see the tremendous example of love. God came into this world. <laughs> he came into this world. He died on a cross. He showed us what love was. Say, he showed us greater love than uh, no man has this, than he would lay down his life for a friend. Say, it's just, just uh, you know, the politics of the world. And boy, are we into some crazy politics now. Someone say Amen into some crazy stuff. Hollywood turns out stuff, you know, every year that's designed to make you think a certain way. Don't ever assume that a movie that comes out of Hollywood doesn't have an agenda behind it. It has an agenda behind it. They've got a way of thinking that they want you to think and a way of behavior that they want to incorporate, want you to incorporate here. And somehow you've got to be able to stand up and you've got to be able to rise up against all of those media influences that are around us. Somewhere you have to get... Uh, you have to get here a firewall around your spirit that says, I'm not going to allow some of that stuff to get into my heart. I'm not going to allow some of that thinking to get into my heart. It's kind of like, you know, it, it, it's kind of like, well, let me ask you, let me uh, put it in these terms, you know, uh, how bad can it be? Well, let me put it this way to you. How, how bad can some of this stuff be? Let me, let me put it in this, uh, in this uh, particular term. Do I actually have to take you to a garbage dump for you to understand that garbage stinks. 
Think about that for a second, you know? It's kind of like, but yet, we allow stuff from this world to get in our hearts and get in our spirits all the time. And sometimes we're brain dead to realizing what impact it's actually having on our spirit. It's kind of like we just kind of allow it to come in and we incorporate it and we think about it and, and we contemplate it and, and, and so on and so forth, you know. It's kind of like if you're, if you're listening to all of the music that the world actually throws out out there, if you're actually uh, starting to think like a secular individual instead of thinking like a spirit-filled believer actually should think, like an individual who believes the Bible should think, if you're starting to think uh, against the Scripture, if you're watching every movie that comes out of Hollywood, if you're taking your cue how you should dress and how you should act from advertising of this world, then I'm here to suggest something to you this morning. You just might have a compromised spirit. You just might have a virus in your spirit that got past your firewall, and somehow you need to deal with that. You need to deal with that because you've got to protect that spirit. Someone say amen. If you spend more time on social media than you do, oh, I'm going to get straight here now. If you spend more time on social media than you do in prayer and in relationship to God, you just might have a compromised spirit. Say, you just might have already allowed stuff to get into your spirit that, that you shouldn't be there. We need to take some time. Everyone said, take some time and get the junk. Everyone said, junk. Get the junk out of our spirit. Time to put some firewalls in, folks. Time to put some firewalls in. What am I preaching to you about today? I'm preaching to you about the firewalled spirit. We've got to have some firewalls around our spirit that, uh, that, uh, that we, we don't allow uh, stuff to get into. I want to say also to you today, sometimes, somehow we've got to be careful not to let situations destroy our spirit. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations that, that we've, got to, we've got to be really careful uh, with that they don't destroy our spirit. I don't have time to get into it a whole lot, but take a look at Job. Take a look at Job chapter 1 and verse 8. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that fears God and eschews evil. It's kind of like you consider, uh, consider Job here. And so, uh, so there's a test that comes along on Job's life. And uh, he loses uh, all of his kids, and he loses all of his cattle, and he loses all of his money, and he loses all of his wealth. But guess what? Job had something. He had, he had something there that uh, that uh, that that uh, others uh, didn't have. He had uh, he had uh, even Job's friends were kind of missing what Job had. And boy, Job's wife really missed it, didn't she? It's kind of like you know, why don't you just curse God and die? Well, that's not the type of wife you want. You know, someone that just comes to that uh, that uh, type of a conclusion here. But you notice, Job was able to keep his spirit. 
Job was able to keep his spirit. He was able to keep the junk out. He was able to keep his, his faith in Almighty God sure here. And then consider the end of Job. Consider the end of, of Job's life here. The Lord blessed Job more than at the beginning. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 oxen, and, a th- and, and, uh, and other uh, sons and daughters that were given to him here. It's kind of like all because he figured out how to keep his spirit. How to keep his spirit. Let me suggest something else to you here as I'm uh, racing on this morning as well. you got to be careful not to allow your own ego to destroy your spirit. you got to be careful not to allow your own ego to get in the way. It's kind of like when self rises up and when old human flesh rises up. Somehow here you've got to be careful with that type of thing. Consider Saul. Again, I don't have time to get into the whole story here this morning, but consider Saul. He's the guy that he starts off being the first king of Israel, and he's very humble. Everyone said humble. It's kind of like they got to go find him among a bunch of junk in order to pull him out and say, no, you're king. Come on. God has chosen you to be king. But look at the end of Saul's life. Saul got puffed up in his own thinking. And he actually got to the point where he started being able to started thinking that he could actually disobey God and get away with it. When God said, do A, B, and C, and he said, no, I don't think I'm going to do A and B. We'll do C and and modify it a little bit. And the favor of God actually came off of Saul because Saul gets puffed up in his own thinking. Sometimes, IBC students, your own ego can be your worst enemy. Your own ego can be your worst enemy. You may be talented. You may be talented. And I know we got a lot of talented Bible college students here today. But I want to tell you something. Talent is only going to get you so far. Ultimately, what it comes down to is your spirit and your attitude. That is ultimately what it, uh, what it uh, comes down to here. I, I would also say something else to you this morning. And that is you've got to be really careful not to let others actually impact your your thinking. You got to be really careful not to let others impact some of your thinking. Wow. I've seen Bible college students, Brother Galleon. You have too, because you've been doing it, what, seven, eight years now? Seven years? See, you've seen, I've seen Bible college students. It's kind of like they've got such a deep call of God on their life. Talented, God opening doors up for them given them places to minister and what have you. But they let somebody else, they let their best friend who's got a bad attitude start impacting their thinking. You know, and they start trying to fight somebody else's battle or they get they, someone they think has been done wrong some way And they turn around and they get on Facebook and post a bunch of garbage on Facebook. You know, when you post a bunch of that garbage on Facebook, you do realize you're venting. And that may make you feel better. But it tells the rest of the world where your spirit and your really attitude is really at. You might want to be really careful about some of that type of stuff. I'm doing some really good preaching here for you this morning. I'm telling you some really good stuff here this morning. I'm trying to save some of you. 
I'm trying to save some of you because some of you can get stuff in your attitude that comes from your best friend. Sometimes it'd be better for you to dump your best friend and go get a new best friend and rather than allow yourself to be destroyed in the process. Rather than allow yourself to be destroyed in the process. I've seen people that got bad attitudes because they didn't get the lead in the choir. You know, they have bad attitudes because they didn't get asked to preach as many times. And they, they, just kind of, uh, they just kind of fly off the handle and say, well, if that's how that pastor is going to handle it, and if that's how the church is going to handle it, then I don't want anything to do with it. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. It's kind of like sometimes God allows us to go through some things to test our spirit. And I'll tell you what will happen. You keep a good attitude. You keep a good spirit. Someone, someone, gets, uh, someone gets the lead in the choir in your home church, and you know that person is not living right, and they're not, they're not living the way they should. Just leave it alone. You'll get your opportunity. God sees your attitude. He sees your spirit. He'll reward you. You'll get your opportunity at some time. You see? Ultimately, what it comes down to is our spirit. Ultimately, what it comes down to is with our spirit. It's like you may not have all the talent in the world. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, why didn't God give me a voice like Pavarotti? It's kind of like, you know something? He didn't give me a voice like Pavarotti. It's kind of like he didn't give me some talent. Uh, 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 he, didn't give, he didn't give some of you certain talent. But I want to tell you something. If you'll do what the apostle told the Galatians, if you'll allow the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to be with your spirit day in and day out, day in and day out, no matter what church you're in, no matter what situation you're in, if you will keep a right attitude and a right spirit, it'll work out in the end. It'll work out in the end. Musicians, come ahead and come back, will you please? Let's everyone stand. I want to throw out, uh, I want to throw this altar open in just a moment here because I've preached strong to you this morning and I've preached in a sense hard to you this morning. It's, it's because I want to make sure here, I hate to see IBC students lose out with God. I, I hate to see, I hate to see people, I hate to see anyone actually go back to your home church and backslide because you got some sort of root of bitterness in your heart. You say, I, I hate to see that type of thing. I hate to see people that are really talented, that could do so much for God. But the problem is, Satan knows how much you can do. And he's coming after you. He's coming after you, and unless you get your spirit right, and unless you get your heart, and let's face it here, there's a bunch of you at IBC, you need to do a clean out of your spirit. There's a bunch of you, you need to do a clean out on the electronic devices you have. There's a bunch of secular music on some of those devices you have. You'd be a lot better off just by going delete, 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 delete. There's a bunch of you that have got movies on your secular devices. Those, those, those electronic devices. Much better off, ladies and gentlemen, just going delete, 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 delete. I'm Ever 
see any of you. Thank you. I don't want to ever see any of you be lost and not have the ministry that you could have because you allowed some bitterness or, or some worldly thinking or some false doctrine to get in your attitude and in your spirit. God protect your spirit. And so if I could say anything to you, I'd say the exact same thing the apostle said to the Galatian church. I'd say all of you that are graduating this year, you're going out this particular year uh, into, uh, into, into ministry of some source. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. This altar is open. Some of you need to come and pray. Some of you need to clean up your heart. You need to clean up your life. There's some of you here again, you need, to, you need to get some junk out of your attitude. You need to get some junk out of your spirit. We got time here this morning, folks. We got, we got time here before our next classes. Some of you don't just turn this off at this particular point. Say a prayer to God and he'll let the Holy Spirit here govern your heart and govern your life and govern your mind. The junk in your spirit. God, pray that the Holy Spirit would burn it out right now. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, folks, all across this, this audience this morning, lift your hands and pray to God right now. In the name of Jesus. Be sure and pick up the latest Indiana Bible College recording entitled Jesus at www dot voicevision dot com